1871 facing south-southwest. A line of squads from Fargo comes northbound, led by a Minnesota state trooper. All lights, no sirens. This silent, solemn, heavy queue rushing towards a finish line that they wish they did not have to cross. What would you do? What would you say if you only had 67 years to live? How about 67 weeks? 67 days? Gets a little sharper, right? How about 67 hours? If you had 67 hours to live, what would you say? What would you do? If you had 67 minutes, 67 seconds, what would you do? What would you say? One last time imagines the interaction between George Washington and Alexander Hamilton, brought to life by our friends Christopher Jackson, Lin-Manuel Miranda, music and lyrics by the latter. One last time, relax, have a drink with me. One last time, let's take a break tonight, and then we'll teach them how to say goodbye, to say goodbye, you and I. Not bad, right? Not bad, not bad. Come on, come on. You know the words, right? Everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. They'll be safe in this nation we've made. I want to sit under my own vine and fig tree, a moment alone in the shade. At home in this nation we've made one last time. Teach them how to say goodbye. Teach them how to say goodbye one last time. What would you say if you had 67 words? Here's what Jesus said with 67 words. You might add, well, it's actually in English. Jesus wasn't an English speaker. Points to you for your biblical knowledge. It's been translated from the Greek. And to be sure, Jesus probably didn't speak it in Greek, although he was capable of speaking Greek. He probably spoke in Aramaic. At any rate, you get the idea. One last time, 67 words, verse 18, page 835. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus said. Maybe some of the most powerful words, thoughts, and ideas can start with that. Jesus said. Maybe we should learn to be more concerned with what Jesus said than what anyone else has ever said. Maybe, maybe, if, if I have one plea out of my life, for my own life and, and for your life, can, can, we just, can we just listen to the words of Jesus and follow Christ? Can, can we do just that? Nothing more, nothing less. None of the noise that you get from the current political this or that in the environment. Not, not just, just the words of Christ. Jesus said, 
In essence, my position, Jesus' position, not mine, Jesus' position informs our position. Jesus' position mobilizes us, who Jesus is. Jesus is saying, here's my position. Here's who I am. My position, who I am, what I have done, what I have experienced. Who I am, fully God and fully human. What I have done, the will of the Father, including healing people and forgiving people and living a certain way and dying. What I have experienced, the power of the Spirit, the pride of the Father, the affection of those who have experienced my redemption, the rejection of those who don't like me. Oh, one more thing, resurrection. The position of Christ, what I will continue to do, what Christ will continue to do is all that we will ever need to intercede for us and prepare a place for us. He says this to his disciples. The context of it is so intriguing. It's in verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Can you imagine that? Like some people are like, I don't think his hair's right. Is it really him? I'm not totally sure. I mean, it sounds like him, but I, I, the resurrected Lord is before you, and you're like doubting it? Or are you just wanting to believe more? He said to them, the them, some of them would live long lives and die. Some would die young. Some would die horribly. But they would follow him. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. His position, his standing, who he is, what he has done, and what he has experienced allows anyone to follow him and anyone who follows him to experience that authority. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all sorts of people, all nations. What do you think Jesus meant by all nations? The Romans? Probably the Sumerians, yeah, without question. The Cyrenes, without question. The Egyptians. I kind of think that all people means all people. I think all nations means all nations. What might that mean today? What might all nations mean today? All or some? All or most? All or just the ones that I like? All or just the ones that look like me? Jesus said, all. What do you think the all means? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. From 2010 to 2013, I worked with a group of individuals, and we studied basically these three verses for three years. Baptizing and teaching 
Paul will put a fine point on it in Romans, I believe it's chapter 6, where, where he identifies the importance of baptizing. Okay, baptizing, it's a, a military word in the first century. Um, it literally means to submerge. You would baptize an enemy ship, okay? You would, you would want to shoot the ship until it went under the ground, under the water, not under the ground, but if it's a dry dock, you could shoot it till it went under the ground. I mean, I suppose that's, that's possible. Okay, maybe not like probable, but I suppose it's possible, right? Okay, but you would baptize the ship. Okay, and so that's the word that is used. Okay, that's the word that Paul uses. That's the word that Jesus uses. You would baptize. Paul argues that being baptized is identifying with Christ going under the water is being baptized with his death and then coming up out of the water is being baptized, is being identified with his resurrection and his new life. It's this beautiful metaphor, this beautiful symbolic picture. Jesus is saying, baptize and teach. Immerse in the life that I have lived. Immerse yourself in who I am. Immerse oneself, be baptized, living the life that, that Jesus embraced. And sometimes, for all of us, this is true, sometimes it's, it's starting to live the life that Jesus embraced. Some of you know my own story, uh, fourth out of five children, um, the one that my mom prayed for most earnestly, more than any of the others combined. Um, she told me that. I guess I'm grateful for that, but I was always a little caught sideways by it. You're like, huh, okay, well, that's interesting. Kind of stumbling, fumbling, bumbling around, right? And was in the metro, living on my own, kind of. I was living on my own, but it was just kind of, okay, and I started going to this church out in Eden Prairie, right? And, and things started happening, right? And in the spring of 1993, there, there was this encounter. I woke up in the middle of the night, not something that I usually did at that time. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I said, yes, Lord, yes, God, I'll do it. Went back to sleep, woke up the next morning thinking, what in the world have I done? This doesn't happen to me. I was starting down a pathway of immersing myself in Christ. I had started attending church, a place called Wooddale. I started to volunteer with the students, junior high. They wanted me to become a member. I'm like, yes, I'm willing to become a member. They're like, you have to be baptized. I said, I've been baptized by my grandfather, a covenant preacher, no less, as was his father, they're like, it doesn't count. I'm like, what do you mean it didn't count? I'm like, I was two years old. I know it happened. My parents told me it, it counted. They're like, no, you didn't choose. And I'm like, well, what difference does that make? They changed tack a little bit. They said, well, being baptized is the, the sign of a private decision to follow Jesus, its identity with Jesus. I looked him square in the eye, the powers that be, Wooddale Church, and said, you think I'd volunteer with rich suburban kids if I didn't love Jesus? <laughs> you got to be nuts. Of course I love Jesus. Come on. Now, at that time, Wooddale was contemplating this change, right? 
a change to their constitution, one which would make space for a cat like me. They didn't change because of me, let's be clear about that. The change happened, and not without a little controversy. Now I no longer had to be baptized. Want to know what happened next? I was crying, that's for sure. It was just me and what Jesus said. And he said, go and make disciples. And I knew. Not because someone was making me that I wanted to do this thing. So on a Sunday evening at 6630 Shady Oak Road, Leith Charles Anderson baptized me. He asked why, in front of a bunch of people that were gathered. Why did I want to do this? I said, because Jesus Christ lives in me, I want my life to reflect him. Like Eric said earlier, two weeks from today, we're going to have Baptism Sunday. Some people like look at Timberwood Church and they're like, oh, you don't push baptism very hard. It's because I don't want to push anyone into this decision. If you don't want to do this, don't do it. Because that's where I was at. Pushing me into this decision wasn't going to make it happen. Fourth out of five children, <laughs> you tell me to go left, I'm going to go right. That's just who I am. But once all of the noise was out of the space and it was the invitation of Christ to follow Christ's example and be baptized, so two weeks from today, Baptism Sunday, we gather at the south end of Pelican. I'd love to baptize you. If you know Amanda, I know Amanda would love to baptize you. If you know Amy, I know Amy would love to baptize you. If you know Eric, I know Eric would love to baptize you. If you know Lee, like his music, even more so he'd like to baptize you. Matthew? Matthew would really love to baptize you. Let us know if you want that. You know, write baptism on the back of your information card. But, but please do it. Not because I'm telling you to do it. Do it because Christ invites you to follow him. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 67 words. It's a long haul, right? Quote the great theologian, if it's the long haul, how do we get here so soon? Does it ever seem like life speeds towards something yet future? Something unknown? Something that's a little mysterious, a little scary, or a lot scary? Something that feels dangerous yet hopeful? Jesus says, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm, I'm always with you. It's not a promise of wealth. It's not even a promise of health. It's certainly not a promise of no pain. Last night, right? Okay. I'm like trying to immerse myself in Christ, okay? I, the kingdom of God is the most important thing, right? And, but sometimes I don't do a great job of it, right? But last night, okay, I, I'd had a pretty good day. I kind of did everything right. I had one of those nights, still woke up. Unable to turn this thing off, I wish I had a switch. Tossing and turning, and I'm just like, I just asked, why won't you let me sleep tonight? Naturally, because I'm like being a tornado in the bed and not in a good way, Tanya wakes up. I asked her if she'd pray for me. I could hear that she was speaking, but I couldn't hear her words. And it didn't even really matter. And then this morning, and my time with the Lord on Sunday mornings is different than this time. But this time with you is, and sometimes the nights are long. And sometimes you stand beside a highway watching a procession that shouldn't have happened. Christ is in it for the long haul. It's the promise of his presence and his proximity and his purpose and his peace. Sixty-seven words. Teaching us how to say goodbye. Challenge for you this week. Besides to think about baptism. And that's a pretty good challenge, actually. Sixty-seven words or 167 words or, or seven words. What, what would you say, Okay. Have you ever imagined, okay, have you ever imagined, like, okay, retirement? You'll know I'm retiring from Timberwood Church, okay, when I walk out on stage and I have a bottle of good rye whiskey and I set her right here. <laughs> Can I say that out loud? Is that okay? I'm sorry, please. I don't mean to offend. 
Have you ever managed just like, you know, walking into your boss's office and just like, boom, a good bottle of rye whiskey, one glass, maybe a coffee cup. Offer him some or her some, but you don't pour them any. You put the cork back in before they can say yes or no. You're like, I've been meaning to let you know a few things. Just let her all out. What would you say? If you had 67 words, would you talk about how you wanted your assets distributed on your death? What would you say? I challenge you. Write something. Write something this week with the idea of you saying goodbye. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Please pray with me. Father, your son, with his last words, gave us something powerfully, something powerful on which to base our lives. Perhaps we're starting a relationship with you, perhaps we're continuing a relationship with you, your son, and your spirit. Allow us, O oh great God, to immerse ourselves in the things of Jesus. Allow ourselves, O oh great God, through your Spirit, to listen to what Jesus said. Father, remind us, even in the long nights and the hard days, that you're in it for the long haul with us. We thank you for this time. Through the power of your spirit, in the name of your son, we pray. Amen. <clears throat>